Welcome to Hope and Heresy, Life on the Religious Left, where we wrestle with contemporary issues using history and theology as our guides. Our task is to reclaim religion for everyday people who want to live meaningfully without letting arbitrary doctrine or oppressive religious practice prevent us from asking big questions about our complicated world. I'm Reverend Sarah Lindsay. And I'm Reverend Peggy Clark, and we're Unitarian Universalist Ministers broadcasting from Community Church of New York here in New York City. Sarah. Hi, Peggy. <laughs> it's good to see you. You too. It's been another long week in the world. Oh my, every week it just feels like, you know, we can pack an entire month into the news of, of a single week. For real? Yes. Um, so last week we talked about religion in the public sphere, right? Um, and during that conversation, there was something that a memory that kept coming back to me and I, there was no way to sort of put it in last week, but, um, I've been thinking about it. Um, and, and I want to use it as a way to sort of spring us into what we're going to talk about today in this sort of halfway through episode of what we're going to call, I think, sort of a, an educational episode or, a um, not, not in our normal vein. So we should actually, before you tell the story, we should even just say, yeah. So the people who are listening to us right now know that we're thinking about this as a let's put into context some of the things that we've been talking about to talk more about a sociology yeah. of religion and what is what is religion and how does that really play out in the public sphere rather than kind of the very focused topics we've had in the past. Yeah. Right. So what I what I kept thinking of was this memory um, of four years ago now, not quite, three and a half, of um, my current congregation where I serve. And I was there to do part of our process where they're, you know, checking me out and I'm checking them out and we're seeing if we're going to be a good fit, right? And it was a, it was an open forum for questions. And I got the same question a few times over, which was around, are you going to use words like God and sacred and spirit, even though there's a lot of folks in this space who don't believe in God or who don't use religious language because they've been hurt by religious institutions in the past. And I had a lot of different answers, but the one that I kept thinking about last week was one of those answers is when those of us who occupy liberally religious spaces or spiritual spaces give up the language of religion, God, morality, values, when we give those things up, we're actually like giving away ground in public discourse. And that's what I said to them was, I will continue to use the word God, even though I'm going to mean something really different than my interfaith colleagues mean, right? But I'm going to use it because it allows me to talk to them on common ground and to not give up my seat at the table in talking about how God impacts decisions or values impact decisions or religion impacts decisions. So in thinking about that story and in us talking this week, it, it did occur to us that we, we've been talking about religion, we've been talking about, you know, the history of different re religious groups and like we need to maybe step back and go what exactly is religion what does it mean to be liberally religious what is spirituality what do people mean when they say god all of those things sort of how does that and then how does all of that impact how we live in our political and everyday lives yep and it 
I think that we uh, we really cede that ground, right? We we really allow conservatives to say this is what religion is, and even this is what ethical behavior is, and then liberals feel like we don't, we can't claim that ground. We we become apologetic, both in the in what Americans think of as to you know to apologize for things but also in sort of the classic term of always trying to explain to the popular culture what you mean when in fact liberal religious people are the popular culture right yeah. i mean we we are should not be the apologists we can claim this ground we have been standing on it for a long long time but yeah. conservative religious people have been so loud and so bold and frankly so organized Right. I mean, they've really done a great job of of declaring, you know, the United States of America their own, and and liberal religious people just go, you know, we reject it, we respond to it, but we don't kind of claim our own space and say, actually, the ethical ground is ours, yeah. or at least we belong in this conversation. Right. So I want to come back to that. Um, like, let's like for a second, let's put a pin in this question of sort of like who gets to define religion in sort of like especially you know American culture because that's what we're dealing with. But let's take a like take a, like an even further step back and like what is religion, right? Like, so you you studied, I studied, right? Both of us have had to encounter all sorts of, you know, sociology of religion, philosophies of religion, concepts of what exactly is this thing, right? Um, and I feel like often what we all lean to, right, is like the Latin root of religion is religio, to bind together, right? We all go there. And also I go, in, in my head, I go to the place of like religion is a concept invented by the academy in order to provide a way of framing the study of this phenomenon, right? Like that, that term in some ways is a is like a made up term for the purpose of defining a category so that you could have PhDs in it and you could you know, have a body of work that focused on these recognizable phenomena, right? Um, but but is that what religion, like what does that mean religion is, right? Right, I always go to this idea that spirituality is this search for meaning or for deeper life and religion is the way we institutionalize that search. So when we're spiritual, we are doing that alone. We're searching for meaning. We're searching for deeper life. And when we gather with others in whatever system we create, that that's, that's religion. Yeah. So the way that I always shorthand it is religion is meaning making in community. In community. Right. That you have to, and that's where that like bind together from the Latin root comes right. in. That's not about what you do on your own. It's about what you do with others. Right. And that that might take the form of like a dinner you know, dinner experience with all your other seeker friends, and it doesn't have to be church on Sunday morning, right? That's not, um, so I have a much more expansive view than I think typically folks do of what religion is, right? Or what might fall into that category. Um, but I do, I think it's really important to stress that community piece and the together piece, right? It's not something you do on your own. Right. For me, the the institutionalization of it actually matters, although because that term, people come to that term with lots of negativity, but but really that's about a system. So if it's a dinner, it isn't just that my friends casually got together 
over dinner and had a great conversation. It's that we have systematized dinner, right? So that we are meeting, it's, you know, it's every Saturday night and like there are ways and there are even rituals that have come up over time because when people get together for any amount of time, ritual becomes part of it. We sort of fall into that so naturally so that if, if dinner was going to be religious, it would be religious because it had established itself within a framework. Well, and like it's, that gets to that point, right? Um, we talk about like, I go to the gym religiously, right? Like it's right. that, it's the routinization. It's the, right. um, it's the making something a part of your experience of living in a right. regular way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think that the search for meaning and for deeper life is profoundly human. And I don't think anyone can claim it as their own, right? When someone says, I'm not spiritual, I often, you know, I never challenge them on it ever, but but I often feel like, really, like you have never looked for the world to just be bigger and brighter. I mean, I think when, when I hear people, I used to live on a very busy street and sometimes I would hear um, people playing music at a decibel, <laughs> it was, you know, it was so that everybody in the neighborhood could hear what they were playing in their car as they're driving through. At some point I thought, you know, they just want more life. They're just looking for more, like, you know, that, that halfway wasn't good enough. And I think we live that way as human beings. That is our impulse. That's our instinct. So that is spiritual, right? That when you're turning it up, when you're dancing, when you're singing, you're looking for more. Religion is just the way we do that together. Yeah. And I mean, you and I are obviously not the first people to say these things, right? There's a whole long history. Um, any religion major in college will tell you there's a whole long history of people trying to explain how and why people engage in ritual and what is the, you know, there's notions that we're trying to explain the phenomenon in the world that we can't understand, right? Like the lightning and the thunder and, you know, right. but there's also the idea. I mean, I always, my favorite, not really, like there's things about them I don't like, but one of my favorite theories was always the Emil Durkheim, like social effervescence, that this thing mm. happens when people come together that is like more than what you have if you're alone, that there's, mm. that somehow a, a sort of a, effervescent bubbly thing happens and you sort of feed right. off each other's living to create more living right so um but like you know, there's loads of different people who talk about you know over the last 200 years more who talk about what is this thing what is this human need to explain right. or to frame or to make meaning um and i agree with you i sort of feel like the idea that anyone would not be ever reflective about life or their role in the world or who they are like because all of that is about making meaning and finding right. you know your sort of way in the world right and sometimes it's brought on you know I, plenty of people go through life without ever really thinking about anything that matters outside of the immediate moment but then there's then there's a crisis right there is no life that doesn't confront crisis of some kind of a death right Everyone, everyone confronts death at some point, right? Everyone gets sick, knows someone who's sick, loses something that that breaks their own stability, you know, and then you start asking the big questions. There just isn't a human being who hasn't gone through it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, you're, you're hitting on something there too, right? Like sort of the, the crux of a lot of this, a lot of theorists will tell you is how we manage our awareness of our own finitude, right? Like that's right. 
in many ways, forget about like explaining earthquakes, it boils down to, you know, we are one of the, as far as we know, only creatures that understand that we will die, right? And so how we confront that and live with that and and lend meaning to a life that will end, right? Um, that's where a lot of folks will focus on, you know, in sort of thinking about how religion helps us operate. Um, right, well, and then, so some <laughs> systems then create um, absolutes, right? Like, so we have like heaven and hell, right? What happens when we die? Well, here's your answer. So that when people are living into these questions, some of these institutions, sometimes when people get together, they create answers. Right? Well, we have, we know, we know that this is heaven. We know how you get there. Here's a book, here's scripture. Here are ways into finding the answers, right? It gets very clear. And frankly, I think the more frightened people are, the more absolute they get about what those answers are but but you know the the certitude being so absolutely sure that you have the answer doesn't i don't believe make you more religious it right. just makes you more sure of your answers which is a different thing i yes. think that they're incredibly in fact now do i think i have an entire church of very <laughs> religious people who are not so sure of the answers who go back to those scriptures and say wait <laughs> First, it doesn't actually say that. Second, a human being wrote it, right? <laughs> so those were other people just seeking answers and asking all those questions and doing that together. And we've been doing it for millennia, right? Yeah. For some traditions, it's really a matter of just ritualizing life more than finding answers. For, for Christians in particular and i guess muslims this is also true it's a lot about finding answers whereas actually jews you know like what happens after death it's more of a you know buddhists it's sort of a mystery yeah well you know pay attention to what's going on right now and you can worry about that at another time yeah. right yeah well in that question of certitude um you know it's really interesting i feel like we live in this funny time where um <clears throat> the critique of, of like sort of liberal progressive folks is like your sort of unyielding certitude about justice stuff and why can't I have my thoughts or feelings about and it's so fascinating the juxtaposition of like certitude about things we cannot know right like certitude about God or heaven or hell or these things that are like truly are just mysteries versus certitude about things that we can demonstrably see like impact people's lives negatively or positively. And it's an interesting, so when we think about what does it mean to be liberally religious, if you're not leaning into certitudes about God or heaven or hell, what are you leaning into? You're leaning into certitudes about community, right? The value of building community, the value of taking care of each other in this life on this, you know, earth. And so it's, it's interesting to me that we, we come with different certitudes or we come with different positions um, and sort of how those clash, you know? But you know, when you, when you are outward facing and sort of looking at the mystery and focusing on, you know, God and heaven and hell, and then say, well, we don't know that, right? We don't have those answers. So now let's look at personal experience and what are people really dealing with and look at justice issues. Part of what happens is that we redefine God so that God is no longer out there, but God is very much in here and then is about personal relationship. The thing is that 
the the God, you know, the what I call the sugar daddy in the sky, God, is um is you know um, infinite. Never seen before, and I love it. <laughs> But there's this omnipotence about that that is so powerful and all-knowing and all-seeing and in some ways incredibly safe, right? I mean, if God loves me, who doesn't want that? But there is this, um, we shift away from that when we focus on relationship, right? And now it's talking about the God that is between us, the God that is here present in this, this conversation right now. And that doesn't feel as safe, right? That God may be alive and joyful and gorgeous but isn't isn't going to make sure that i don't get sick right isn't going to fix everything for me isn't so going to not- to the clouds for heart music and <laughs> right. right right so it's it's interesting i mean it, it seems to me that in some ways a lot of this goes back then to that fear and that question of knowability and control, right? So the idea that like a God that I can, almost in a way, a God that I can control, right? Because I believe this, that, and the other, and I have defined God is is yes. safe and like comforting. And I, I know what to expect. And I, even if it's not something that makes sense to me, I know that it's part of God's plan. So I can just right. like relax into it, right? Whereas the idea that what God is, is a sort of created thing or a reflected thing, or it's the act of creation, but it happens between you and me. It happens within me. That's like a scarier because I can't control it. Right. Because it's mutual and it's about creation and b scarier because it asks me to actually like live into my own sort of divinity and sacrality, as opposed to leaning into the arms of my sugar daddy, God in the sky, you know, and that's, it is, it's actually a really different way of moving through the world. Yeah. When, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. When my father got sick, so <clears throat> a long time ago, he was uh, in his 50s and he was given four weeks to live. And and so many people said, you know, things about like God, you know, that God is going to sort of make this right and God is going to take care of this. And I really felt like I just wish that I knew that to be true. I, I not only that because I don't believe it, because I actually know it isn't true. Because people really do die young. I mean, they they do. Like they're it just isn't real. But there was something about um this certitude, right? That people feeling like like I know God is in charge. So if your father dies, it's God's will. And if he lives, it's God's will. And it felt like that would be a much easier world to live in. Yeah. It could even if he died, <clears throat> which he, he didn't actually, but if he died, that it would feel like, oh, this was part of a plan. Yeah. And my life becomes so much easier if there's a plan and I can just relax into it. Then my entire life challenge is to accept the plan. Which frankly isn't that hard. As much as people struggle with it, it's not that hard. The reality is there is no plan, right? That that life is kind of random, and that bad things really do happen to good people, even even things that aren't tragic, right? Cancer happens, 
even to men who, you know, don't really deserve it. It, it just happens. And then every once in a while, you know, something changes for him. There was this radical new surgery and he was the third person on the planet ever to go through it. And it happens to be that the doctors who knew how to do it are in New York because, yeah. you know, the luck of, of location and he survived. It was an 18 hour surgery. They actually physically had to move his brain. It was wild yeah. and he survived it. <clears throat> now, some people would say, well, see, that's God's plan. But you know what? He was the third person in history to have that surgery. There were a lot of people who died before him, who I'm sure were also really good men. You know, So yeah. there, there is this sense, like, it would be so much easier. The God that is alive between us, the God that is the life of the trees and the life of the birds, that God is so much harder to nail down. <laughs> Right. And to right. connect with, and there's no system of justice that goes with that God that makes me feel like, oh, everything is always going to be okay. So the conservative plan, the vision is easier. It just is. And I completely understand wanting that to be real. I've wanted it to be real myself. It just yeah. isn't real. <laughs> and it's it's not just, I think that it sounds really nicely, right? Because it's not just that God is easier the whole system becomes easier right mm -hmm. um and the whole sort of like these are the people that i belong with and belong to these are the people that are going to be saved this is the vision of how the world should be this is okay this is not okay like sort of all down the line it falls into this certitude about moral stances right um what I think I what I what I was thinking about as you were talking um, is that that desire for the certitude um, I think lives in all of us and it takes discipline, dare I say like religious discipline, <laughs> to not like give into that and into instead like live into that co-creating kind of vision where what becomes your system for justice is not God and scripture but sort of mutually observable benefits, right? Like, yeah, that's a weird way to say that, but like what becomes a system for justice is getting everybody equity and compassion and, right? Um, and that then, oh, God. And then that work is God. Right, right. right. That's you and I, I think, are on the same page about like God does not have to be defined as this like sort of, entity unique and distinct entity that does things right god is you know you don't process theology on everyone right like that god is sort of the unfolding of creation and the mutuality of existence right and for me i always talk about when i use god right that's what i'm talking about i'm talking about that thing that happens between us that happens in me that happens in you that kind of animates existence i go sort of a little paul tillich a little you know alfred north whitehead i can never remember his name right um and it's it's a little Gordon Kaufman, right? It's a little of it's all that like existence with a big E, being with a big B, like the unfolding of existence. And I use the word God for that. You don't have to, right? Um, but for me, then the the expression of that in community, or the the searching for that, or the cultivating of all of that in community, is religion, right? And that religion doesn't have to equal certitude. It doesn't have to equal you know, these are my people and everyone else is outside, right? Um, and I think that that we see that so at work, that sort of like inside outside, so at work in, in sort of religion and the public 
sphere too. Right. And, and, and we still have this because conservatives have defined God. We still have this knee jerk reaction when someone says something as simple as I believe in God or God bless America or whatever it is, because we, we assume that their definition is the right definition and we our choice is either to believe or not to believe what they've decided that means rather than claiming for ourselves what that actually means a new space and a new definition right and also religion in that yeah i mean and then that gets to this question of like there are so many what is that that like pew research study from i don't know how many years ago now though that that indicated just how many spiritual but not religious folks there were right um, well, that's like, what rising. Does, it's like a third of the population at this point. Yeah. But what does it mean for those folks who claim this space of like spirituality, but not religion, right? Or what does it mean for like the folks in my congregation who are atheists, right? How do they stay in the conversations? How do they bring into their public lives, their, their community lives, their convictions and values and ethics in a way that feels authentic to them, but also doesn't give away ground to, you know, conservative, very narrow definitions of what these things are. Yeah, and it's occurring to me as you're talking that I can hear someone saying, who cares? Like, well, like religion doesn't really matter. So let's just back away from it and just, you know, stop just make acceptable like not saying god bless america at the end of every speech the -hmm. thing is that i I feel like we've tried that in some way we've been trying it for a hundred years right in different ways and slowly and progressively and maybe we're closer to it but i really think that liberals have done themselves a disservice by just backing away and and we don't um, value, it seems to me, the time it takes to reclaim and redefine. We, and, I, and I'm not, I don't want to disparage people who are doing the justice work, right, who are saying this is sort of a ridiculous conversation because people are suffering and we need to just, you know, let's get on the ground and do the work that needs to be done and, and who really cares about you know, who defines what, except then you start seeing things like, like, you know, the Supreme Court uh, hearings that are going on right now, and you see this claim to religion as, you know, this is what religious means. And, and we ceded a lot of ground, right? There is no norm in Congress right now, as they're having this conversation, there is no accepted norm for liberal religion that you are religious you are the way that senators will define themselves as religious is i go to church on sunday too right without any nuance at all we we just don't have the language and we don't have the the cultural acceptance i think liberals have really let go and have have completely ceded this ground Interesting. I'm wishing now that I had like looked up what are the religious affiliations of all of the, you know, Congress folks, right? Like to sort of see, given the breakdown of the actual public, what is the breakdown of congressional representation, right? Um, It could be interesting. Maybe we'll do that and like post it in the link in the um, notes for the show. Um, Because I think it's really interesting to consider whether or not, I mean, clearly Congress does not represent the country racially, 
in terms of gender, I think it probably also doesn't represent it in terms of religious understanding and affiliation, right? No, right. Um, and so it's fascinating. I mean, well, maybe it's not that fascinating. I think we've talked about this before, but that sort of that Protestant thing is super wrapped up with the whiteness and the maleness and the American sort of dream and history and, and myth, you know, mythology. Right. Um, but so I think, yeah, okay, maybe so what, but also, you know, not so what, like the so what is, this is really relevant to how we end up being governed, right? Like if, if you can't, I feel like there was someone running, some atheist running, even in New York City, and people were kind of like, Ugh. and it's just like, why do you need to, why do you need to say that you go to church? Why do you need to say that you, right. and, and yeah, I'm all for a president shouldn't have to say, God bless you at the end of every speech. I don't need to hear that. I'm sure loads don't need to hear that. And at the same time, the answer isn't shut off right. God in prison, right? There's somewhere in the middle um, where like the president can say it if it's authentic to that president, you know, but like it doesn't, you know, something else could be said if it's not, you know, um, but that none of that happens until liberal religious folks, spiritual but not religious folks, progressively thoughtfully religious people take back some ground in public life and, and sort of demand that religion does not equal ethics and that morality can be the province of spiritual but not, you know, religiously affiliated to. Yeah, I actually think that there's also some personal um growth work for for people i mean i think that some of what's happened for a lot of folks is that they went to whatever their religion was as children and they asked questions and weren't given good enough answers or were hurt in some way by whatever those answers were and rather than kind of seeking and trying to heal any of that they sort of just rejected it yeah, so that that's one of the other answers I gave about why I would use those words is that acknowledging that people have been harmed by those words, it's actually part of our own growth work to like move through that and not necessarily start using them ourselves, but get to a place where we have sort of integrated that pain or that trauma and, and let it become part of us enough that we can hear those words without, you know, totally... Um, having to shut it all down, you know? Right. Because what we do is we just reject and we don't claim anything. And so there yeah. is, there, there's some personal work and, and in some way, then whatever the personal work is not to project that out into the rest of the world, which also means that when someone says that they believe in God, you know, not to reject them because when you were 15, you know, the person who said they believed in God, you know, like they're, they're just, so we have that work. Each individual has to do that work. And then as a liberal, as re liberal religious people, we have to together sort of accept that we are going to reclaim all of this and that we're going to find ourselves, you know, on the floor of, of the Senate claiming, yes, I am religious. No, I don't read the Bible. No, I don't think that there's an absolute truth you can claim. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So today we're not going to be doing a, you know, action or hope in particular, because this wasn't like a regular full episode. Yeah. But I think it's good ground for us to cover so that people who are listening to this podcast have a sense of where we're really coming from and yeah. a lot of these things. 
and I'll, I'm going to exercise like tiny ministerial privilege and say, um, like go a little, a little moment here and just say, you know, not an action, but you know, if you're so inclined, it might be worth spending some time thinking about your relationship to those words, right? To God, to religion, what those mean for you. Do you use them? Don't you? Why, why not? You know, um, no, no assignment, just, you know, give it a little, give it a little think, see what comes around. Um, because it does, I mean, it's important for everything we're going to keep talking about. Yep. It's been good talking to you today, Sarah. <laughs> too, Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you, too. <laughs> see you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>